We're going to begin our reading today from Romans chapter 4, starting with verse 23. Now, the, the rest of that chapter goes 23, 24, and 25, and then we're going to read uh, the, the first two scriptures in Romans chapter 5 because he continues his thought. When Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, uh, to, the, to the church in Rome, he, was, he didn't have it divided up in chapters and verses. We, we did that later on uh, in, in our context, but uh, so, so he, he continues the same train of thought. Now, to, in order to pick up on where, where he's talking at this time, and excuse me for the wind noise that's coming through here, uh, he's talking about Abraham and the faith of Abraham, and that Abraham had the audacity to believe God for a crazy promise. God promised Abraham when he was well into his 90s that, hey, you and your wife, Sarah, are going to have a child, and through that child, I'm going to give you a great nation. Abraham and Sarah were like, we've never had a kid in our life. We're already in our 90s. But Abraham said, hey, you're God. If you want to, you can do whatever you want. I'll believe you. And because of that kind of faith, that's why the Bible says he's the father of our faith, because he teaches us how to have faith. If God promises you something, it doesn't matter what the circumstances. Thank you. I have a pop filter. See if I can do this from the corner of my eye. Windscreen. All right. Hopefully that helps. Hopefully it doesn't fly off and hit someone. If it is, it's a nerf, so don't worry about it. So because he is the, he's the father of our faith, he teaches us how to have faith because when we trust God, no matter how crazy the promise is, no matter what our circumstances and surroundings tell us, we can trust God's promise more than anything else. So Abraham is the father of our faith. And because of his faith, God counted it or credited it him as righteousness. So long before the crucifixion of Christ to where we can take on the righteousness of God through our faith, Abraham was accounted as righteous, or, or that, that's a biblical word that's, that means righted. You, you're, you're righted. In other words, you, you were thinking wrong, now you're thinking right. You were living wrong, now you're living right. Uh, and, 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 you were viewed as wrong by God, but now he views you as right. Even with your flaws, he still views you as, as right. Well, Abraham earned that because he just simply trusted God. So that's where we pick up with Paul's thought. Romans chapter 4, verse 23, he says, The words it was credited to him were written not for Abraham alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteous. So we get to be credited righteous. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today. Verse 25. He, talking about Jesus, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Then we move on to chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that sounds very biblical. We're using these terms justified and all this stuff. Why did Jesus have to die? Verse 25 says it. As a payment for our sins. So he was tortured. Hopefully you guys took some time on Friday to think about and remember the crucifixion. My, my wife and I sat down and watched the Passion of the Christ and, and made me cry all over again and made me realized the, the, the weightiness of my sin and that, that that should have been me on the cross. And yet he was a substitute. He claimed to be the lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And so, so he had to die 
for atonement or for payment for our sins, right? Now it says that he was resurrected or he rose again. He rose again for our justification. Now, what does that mean? These are big theological terms. So let me break it down like this. If, if I told you guys, hey, after service, y'all load up, I'm buying you all lunch. Now, now be aware, this is just a, an analogy. I got my wife over here like shaking her head like, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> right? but, but suppose I said, let's load up after service, lunch is on me. And you show up and everyone's looking around and I got my debit card out. Is Dave good for it? Does he have enough money? Does his bank account have what it takes to buy all of us lunch? So I give them my debit card as payment for your lunch. You following? Then what do they do? They come back and give me a, a receipt. That receipt is justification that I had the money in the bank that I needed to buy you all lunch. See what I'm saying? It gives you, it justifies that my payment was good and it justifies you having the right to get up after you're done eating and walk back out into the world. You know, if the manager comes and says, hey, hey, where are you going? You can say, whoa, whoa, he's got the receipt. Oh yeah, you're good to go. That's what the resurrection is. If you get anything out of today, it's this. The resurrection is a divine receipt that the payment Jesus paid on the cross is sufficient, is good enough because he came back to life. It was proof that he was who he said he was, that he was who God said he was twice, <laughs> that he was the lamb of God, that he was the son of God and that his death was worthy enough to pay the price for my sins. That's a weighty debt. I don't know about your sins. I don't know about your imperfections. I don't know about the evils within your psyche. But mine's pretty weighty. If, some, if someone came up and told me, hey, you know what, Dave? I wanted to bless you. So last week I paid your house off. <laughs> First of all, I'd laugh. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Why? Because that's a huge debt. I would want to see... A receipt, I'd want to see some bank some some bank transactions. I'd want to check on my loan, see what's going on. I need to see a title. I need to see proof that you paid off a weighty debt like that. Then once you provide a proof, man, I'm I'm gonna be slobbering and crying all over you and hugging you, right? May even lay a big old kiss on you, man. You may, that may that may guarantee nobody pays my house off. But that's what Jesus did, praise God. He came back to life to prove that he was who he said he was. So his resurrection is the justification or the receipt that his payment was sufficient to cover my sins. Woo! Now I can live in peace. We have peace now with God because we've been justified. Because there's a receipt. There's proof of payment. Now we're at peace with God, it says. It's, it's, it's like this. If I told you guys, hey, look, y'all don't worry about it. I'm about to die for your sins. And I run out in the street and a car hits me. You guys would be sitting around saying, did it work? <laughs> you know? 
I hope it did. I don't feel any different. And as I'm laying there an hour later and they're putting me in a body bag, I don't know if it worked or not, you know. But the fact that Jesus came out of a tomb, the fact that he was seen by over 500 people before he was ascended, that's the relevance. That's why we are justified. That's why we can have proof of his payment. Romans chapter Romans chapter 3 says this. Well, first of all, Romans chapter 5 that we just read, it says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, or therefore, since we do trust in the receipt, the word justified there, actually, if you look at it in the Greek, and the Greek, the Greek has five tenses. Here in English, we have how many tenses? Three, right? Past tense, present tense, future tense. Greek has five, sometimes six tenses, okay? This, this tense for the word justified is what's called the aorist tense. And what, that's similar, very similar to our past tense. So at some point, we have been justified. When were you justified? At the time of your conversion. At the time that you submitted your life to Christ, you were justified. Now, maybe that was 20 years ago, five years ago, five months ago, five weeks ago. And you're saying, Pastor Dave, you don't understand. I know I was justified, but man, I've made some mistakes since. I have slipped up. I've let sin creep into my life. Man, I've fallen back off the wagon. Have I ruined that justification? Have I ruined that receipt? Have I messed all that stuff up? I want to give you an Easter present today. I want to, I want to give you something to allow the enemy not to mess with your mind anymore, okay? And it's actually found in Romans chapter 3. Same word justified is used, right? Meaning the receipt. Romans chapter 3, starting with verse 23. We all have this verse memorized, and you hear it quote, quoted a lot. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Anyone ever heard that verse? All right. Now, the next verse, 24. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Christ. The word grace means unmerited favor, right? He just gave us favor because even though we didn't earn it. But we've been justified freely. The word freely there uh, in, in the Greek is, is, is actually, uh, uh, actually in a different, it's the, the, the Greek word is Dorian. We have been justified Dorian. That word actually means unprovoked and, and unconditional. There was no conditions or provoke. You can't provoke God enough to justify you. There's no conditions. He just justified you out of his grace, right? And then it goes on, the, the word justified, the tense that is in, in the Greece is, Greek is called perfect tense. It looks like past tense when it's translated into English, but it's perfect tense, okay? And what this tense is, everyone bear with me. Everyone still with me? Let me hear from you. Say amen. amen. If you can't say amen, say oh me. <laughs> so what present tense or perfect tense is, it's something that took place in the past, but is continuing to take place. Okay. How many have lived in the neighborhood for quite a long time? Those of you who live here in the neighborhood. I've, I've been here in the neighborhood since 2014. And those of you who were here before me or right around that time, Y'all remember this beautiful lake that we have out here, 
was really like a big crater, right? <laughs> like they had dug it up and it was a big crater and there was a mud puddle in the middle of it. And, and Bob and Howard, who were both here, kept saying, it, that's our lake. It's going to be a lake. And we're all like, well, at this rate, it's going to take 20 years to fill up. No, it's going to fill up. Trust us. Trust us. And they were pumping in water from, from uh, the, the Trinity River uh, just out back here, pumping in water. And we were getting rain here and there. And there's still more mud. And then it'd get hot and evaporate a bunch of the water. And they're, oh, it's going to be a lake. Trust us. And you guys remember for, I don't know, 2015, maybe 2016, probably 2015. 2015, we had a monsoon blow through here. I mean, it rained for three, four days. Solid, man. All the pets were lining up two by two, trying to march, trying to find where there's an ark. I mean, it was like raining like crazy. And, you know, everyone that told us, you remember, those of us that moved in in the early days, all the locals were saying, it's, you're moving in, it's just going to flood the first rain you get. We were watching. It was the first test of, of all the, the grade levels and everything. And sure enough, within when it stopped raining, 10 minutes later, man, the, the roads were clear. We were like, man, it worked. Look at that. They did a good job. Well, we all came out. And in one four-day weekend, we had a lake. It looked like this. We were like, look at that. We have a lake. They were right. It happened. Well, we would have been tried for two years God did in one weekend, right? Now, one thing that happened was the levee on the west side of Collins, the part of the lake that goes over there, if you guys remember, the levee broke. And so all this water comes pouring in, flooding in. You know, God uses all kinds of things, doesn't he? And so back then, they had to dam the levee, dam the water back, right? And so that happened in 20, 2015, 2016, they, they damned the levee. As we sit here today, every day since then, the water has been damned or pushed back from that repair. That's what perfect tense is. It's something that happened in 2015, 2016, and here we are, 2023, it is still taking place. The word justified is in that tense in Romans 3. So the same justification that was given to you 20 years ago, 10 years ago, three years ago, when you first gave your life to Christ is the same justification that has taken place every day since then. On the days you walk around like a saint and on the days you make a mess of your life, he is still justifying you, praise God. The blood of Jesus wasn't just applied to your life when you gave your heart to him. It has been applied to your life every since that moment, praise God. That's why it's grace. That's why you can't be good enough to earn it. He just gives it to you. The same blood, just like in your, in your body, your heart just doesn't pump blood once. Every day, blood is washing every cell in your body, taking vital oxygen to every cell and, and, and cleaning your cells of toxins and washing your cells clean. That's exactly what takes place in the spirit. From the heart of God, the blood of Jesus washes you clean every single day. So if you gave your heart to the Lord 20 years ago, you've messed up, say, I've wandered off from him and all that. Well, just come on back home. It still applies today. 
Man, that should give somebody some kind of revival right there. Someone should get happy about that. Uh, or I may be the only one that's ever made a mess of my life and needed grace and needed the blood of Jesus. Amen. Real quick, real quick, I want to I point this out. The resurrection is proof that everything he did on the cross works. Amen. It is the receipt. That's why today is so vital. That's why we celebrate the resurrection. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this. It talks about how to be saved. And by the way, the word saved, when it's translated, is sozo. It doesn't mean just punching your ticket to heaven. Ooh, I'm saved. That means I get to go to heaven. Well, that's part of it. But it's talking about right now. Sozo means wholeness, completeness, restoration, healing, soundness, peace, everything you can be right now. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there depression in heaven? No. Well, you don't have to have it on earth. Is there, is there frustration in heaven? No, you don't have to have it on earth. Are there any hospitals in heaven? No. You can walk in freedom and healing on earth. Is there, is there bankruptcy courts in heaven? No. You, you can walk in soundness and peace here on earth. And Paul says, hey, this is how you, be, this is how you can be sozoed or complete, whole, saved. He said this, Romans 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now there's the rub. Many of us have called on Jesus to be our Savior. We've taken our problems to him. We've taken our mess to him. But we've never given him our life. To declare him as Lord means to declare him as king, to declare him as ruler. Now, this was huge back then. Because if you're going to declare anyone as king or Lord, it had to be Caesar. That's why so many of these guys were put to death. Because they, they stood up and said, no. See, we are not of this kingdom. We are not of Rome. We are of a, a heavenly kingdom. And our king is Jesus. That was huge for them back then. Now, here in America, I mean, it's easy. We can all come out here and say, "Woo, Jesus is Lord. But I want to ask you this. Is he really Lord of your life? Or is your job the Lord of your life? Does, does your job call the shots and how you live your life? Is your spouse, are they the ones that call the shots? Do your kids call the shots? Do you live in fear of family? Do you live in fear? What is it that you have submitted yourself wholly to? You know? Oh, but I believe in Jesus. Well, even the demons believe in Jesus. <laughs> the devil believes in Jesus. But he said, confess that Jesus is Lord. I want to challenge someone today. Confess. Hey, look, you're my king. You're my Lord. You call the shots from here on out. Even if it messes up my plans, you are my Lord. And then it goes on to say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he hung on the cross, it doesn't even say that. And yet, in a lot of our center prayer, we, we go, hey, if you've never given your heart to the Lord, just repeat this prayer. And we, we lead people in a sinner's prayer. And I'm not belittling that. It's a wonderful tool. But we always say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Well, that's, that's a good thing. But Paul said, 
confess that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why didn't he say, if you confess him as Lord and believe that he died for your sins? He said, he's telling you to believe in the receipt. Is the receipt better than the payment? No. The pay, is the receipt the payment? No. But the receipt is proof that the payment is sufficient enough. If you believe in the receipt, you already receive it, or you already believe in the payment. You're, you're believing in the completed, sufficient work of Jesus. You know, there are plenty of people on the planet that will tell you, yeah, I believe Jesus was an, a wonderful man. He was an incredible philosopher. He was an incredible teacher. And, and he wound up being crucified. But this resurrection business, well, that's, uh, that's too crazy to believe. I think it was a, a, a lie perpetrated by his disciples to continue on a religion. Out of 12 disciples, one of them hung himself when he betrayed Jesus, right? So now you got 11 other people. Out of those 11 people, 10 of them died on account of the gospel message. So if it's a lie, that means 10 men were, were willing, not only that, some of their spouses too, were willing to be torturously put to death over a lie? That's insanity. How can 10, possibly 11, possibly 12 insane people get together? What are the chances of 12 insane people getting together and being organized enough to turn the world upside down? It's not going to happen. These men were put to death over something that they knew that they knew that they knew that they knew. And they believed so much in the resurrection and the proof of his crucifixion and the payment of the crucifixion. They were willing to die for it. And that's what Paul is saying. If you want to experience salvation, if you want to experience this sozo, this wholeness, this complete, completeness, this joy, this kingdom that we get to live in, then confess that he is your Lord, he is your king, he is your boss, he is your ruler. He comes second to no one else in your life. That means his law, his principles, his teachings, his word reign supreme in your life over everything else. And believe in your heart that his resurrection is true because that proves that his crucifixion was sufficient. That's powerful. Have you ever noticed, like, have you ever bought someone dinner? Have you said, hey, don't worry, I got this. And then you give, the, you give your credit card or your debit card, and then they go, they ring it up. And when they bring the receipt and you're signing it, that's usually when folks go, hey, thank you so much for dinner. Right? You ever notice that? It's when the receipt comes. Because I don't know if it's just subconscious if we're like, man... You sure you got this? Let's see if your credit card goes through, right? <laughs> you know, we just want to make sure everyone's good for it, right? But it's usually when the receipt comes, it's like, ah, oh, hey, thank you so much for dinner, right? And you're signing your autograph. Why? Because somewhere deep down, we know that that's proof that you paid the price for dinner. And that, hey, I can, I'm free to get up from this table and I'm free to go on home nice and full. It's the same thing in the spirit. When you understand that his resurrection is real and that he is alive, just as real and alive as you are today. And he has ascended into glory. When you believe that with everything in your heart and you confess him with your mouth to be Lord, then you understand, man, he paid the price. Everything he went through, that torture, everything was sufficient 
for my sins. Now I'm free to live as something new. I'm free to leave my past in the past. I'm free to be free from every addiction, every lie that was spoken over me, every mess that I got myself involved with, every pain that I had to go through in my past, every wrong that was done for me is now in the past. I am now alive and a new creature and something brand new in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand. Because that always makes everybody feel much better when the preacher says, let's all stand. Before we do communion, and as the praise team uh, makes their way back up here, before we do communion, uh, I want everyone to bow your head and we're, we're going to pray. If you are here, maybe you've attended church, maybe you've said, well, I believe in Jesus, or maybe you've even given him your problems, but you've never made him your Lord. You've never said, Jesus, you are boss, you are king. I submit my life to you. Whatever that means I have to let go of, I'll let go of. If that's you today, I want to challenge you. In your own way, I'm not even going to lead you in a prayer. But in your own way, I want you to speak out, Jesus, you are Lord. If, if you've wandered away from him, and it's been a while, and you need to come on back to him. I want to challenge you today. Make that confession. And once you do that, I want you to decide in your heart. You may have believed in the crucifixion. You may have believed in all the Sunday school stories you heard. But you never just took time to say, you know what? I, this resurrection, it's real. I believe, as crazy as it sounds, I believe he was powerful enough to come back from the dead. And that proves that his sacrifice was worthy. I want you to make that decision. Just take a moment to do that. Without looking around, is there anyone here that that's the first time you made that commitment, that declaration in your life? I want, I want you to raise your hand if that's you. Amen. If maybe you made that declaration in a, in a, in a way that you said, you know, I'm, I'm coming back to him. I've been away too long and I'm coming back to him. Praise God. Let's all pray. Father, we love you. Prepare our hearts for this communion. I thank you for everyone who's here. Be our Lord. Be our commander-in-chief. Be our king. We lay our life down for you. We, we, we bow our knee to you. We believe in our hearts, Father, that you, are, that you brought Christ back from the dead. He is the first fruits of the harvest that we all belong to. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead and proving that your payment was sufficient. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can, begin to open up uh, your communion elements. It's a little tricky with uh, the top end to get the bread out. We were using these during COVID when we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m., which by the way, if you don't have a home church, man, we would love to see you. If you, if you do have a home church that you attend, praise God. Be a part of it. Allow your roots to sink into it, get involved in it, and support it. If that's where God has you. But if you're looking for a home church, we'd love to see you at 10 a.m. on Sundays right across the sandy beach in the, in the uh, lake club over there. And, uh, but we've gone back to, uh,
the old school where, where we get a piece of cracker and the, the, the little thimble cup. And uh, but for the sake of the park, we've come back out to these old prepackaged things. Makes it a little easier. It doesn't really matter either way how we do it. Uh, these elements, there's nothing magical to them. They're a little bread put together, a little bit of grape juice. But it's what they represent, the broken body of Christ, and how significant that is, the shed blood of Jesus, how needed I, that is in my life every day. Amen. Before we begin, if there's anyone you need to forgive, take a moment and release them. Just let it go. Do you care about it? If the answer is yes, the Bible says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. So just cast it once and for all. The word cast means to throw it, chuck it, hurl it, throw it over on him, let it go. If you've been able to do that, now you're ready to receive communion. Amen. Luke chapter 22, verse, starting with verse 19, and he took bread and give thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you. We remember your broken body today. Because of your broken body, we have healing. By your stripes, we were healed. You were bruised for our transgressions. That's our outer sins. You were wounded for our iniquity. That's our inner sins. Either way, out, outward sins, inner, inward sins, you've got us covered. Thank you, Lord. Partake of the body today. Take a moment and give them gratitude. Verse 20, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Lord, we thank you for your shed blood. It washes us clean from our sins. You said in Psalms that the blood covers our sins and cleanses us from disease. Thank you for the accommodation of your blood and the application of it into our life. Partake of his blood. We praise you, Lord. Amen. We're going to sing one more time as a family. And uh, we'll ask that you'll, if you can hang on to your cups and make sure you throw them away. we got a few trash cans out, out here. Make sure you throw them away. We don't want to litter up the park. And uh, we don't want us leaving being a negative thing, right? But I don't know about you guys. I need God to move in my life. And I need the God of the miraculous that we see in the Bible to be the same God that shows up in my life. I need that God. I don't just need a Sunday morning karaoke God. I need a God that's able to part seas and resurrect the dead and open blind eyes. And that God, I need him to show up in our life. And we're going to sing one more song as a family. If you need prayer for anything... I'm going to be hanging out. I would be, I would be honored to pray with you today for any need, but you don't need me to pray for you. You've got a lot of believers out here. They're filled with the same Holy Spirit that I'm filled with. They'll pray for you as well. But one more time as a family, can we just sing together today before we're dismissed? Amen.